Hello and welcome to Curious, the podcast featuring successful women in tech and science in Asia. We unpack their journeys and also take a look at what lies ahead for their industry. I'm Grace Cheng. And I'm Lina So Ng. Today, we chat with Rika Lim of Ubisoft. Known for games like Assassin's Creed, Xbox games like Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell and Watch Dogs. Hey Rika, first of all, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank <week>. you. <laughs> but congratulations too because of what you have done for Assassin's Creed. It has done so well. It has sold 140 million copies and now Netflix is making a series out of it. What's the secret for this success? I would say the game itself, um, it provides this uh, incredible gameplay experience and the compelling stories for our player. And there are also choices that enable players to craft their own adventure in an immersive world. And um, the, the thing I like about this series is that it's deeply rooted in history and it showcases a lot of like different locations and time periods. And in the really uh, in the recent title release, there are also discovery tour. Uh, this uh, segment where play- when people or players can use to teach and learn more about history, the culture, and the people of that specific place and era. So I thought that that was quite interesting, and I'm super happy that uh, some of our contents are actually being used uh, for that. And the thing about our studio also is that uh, since Assassin's Creed Two. Uh, we managed to sort of like establish a strong relationship with the lead studios of the games, uh, namely Montreal and Quebec Studio. So uh, during that time period until now to the present, we managed to build ourselves up as one of the uh, reputable and trust uh, co-development studios. And we did also collaborate quite closely uh, with the Ubisoft studio from uh, Chengdu and Philippines uh, on the recent title within the Asia. So yeah, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla is one of the uh, recent titles that uh, we collaborate quite closely with uh, them. And I guess for AC Valhalla, in a way, um, some of the key highlights I would like to mention as well is that um, we also work on this three territory. Uh, one of them is in East Anglia, uh, Northumbria, and lastly, Vinland, uh, which is the background that you see behind. Oh. Uh, it's actually a mandate that I was in charge uh, to bring it to life with my awesome team. How and long did it take you to develop that? <laughs> it was about two, two years plus uh, when I jumped onto the project. So yeah, it was quite a journey. And also, uh, in addition, um, during uh, that time, uh, we are working closely with the Chengdu Studio to uh, bring uh, to bring the Ubisoft uh, forward demo that showcased some of the new game features of AC Valhalla before its official launch last year. So we are mainly showcasing the Assault uh, feature that we have for Valhalla, which is one of the new uh, thing that is in the game. So Rika, what is Asia's role in game design for Ubisoft? Basically, we take in control of uh, not just the world, uh, designing the world, but also we do take a look at like the feature 
of the content that we work on. So one of the example is uh, from Chengdu Studio, uh, they are working on the Khan Stone, uh, which is the landmark where you can uh, go around uh, and find in the world and stack the stone up to make like this uh, small little statue. And then there's a story and narrative that goes by with it. So yeah. And then there's also the Standing Stone, uh, one of the uh, historical, I suddenly can't remember it. But yeah, um, most of them are actually uh, done in Trento Studio. And uh, because for our Singapore side, we are very, we have expertise with um, the naval side of things. So like the longboat and also all the, uh, how the, the, the ship itself will navigate through the sea, the river, and uh, we mainly take care of that part. Okay, so you are the game designer uh, person, right? You're not the developer. So you decide what uh, it looks like? We do have a direction that is given by, that's like this overall high-level direction that's given by the lead studio. So what we do is that uh, our local directors would actually... Uh, come up with like visions and pillars that align with that direction. And basically from there, we will try to put all this into practice, into how we design the world, how we craft like the different locations that's within the, uh, within the region, basically. So for example, for Vinland, um, we are being given that mandate. Uh, we do the research about the people, about the time period, the era, and also the location itself and how we bring all this uniqueness of uh, whatever that period have to offer uh, into the world. And from there, we start to look at how many locations within the world that we need to uh, um, craft and design. And then like how one of the, each of the location goes from one to the other. So basically it's also like looking at the scope overall as well. Uh, for, for my case, in a way. Rika, really in awe of what you have achieved. You're one of those um, pioneer women designers in the world, right? I mean, um, makes me think about like, what's your favourite game? I like to try out uh, a variety of games. Uh, usually nowadays, I play uh, Disco Asylum. Uh, There's a very narrative-heavy uh, game about this cop uh, who wake up one day, uh, can't remember who he is, and he's trying to like, uh, solve a murderer and a murder mm. and um, there's also uh, the different interesting narrative bits uh, that player can explore and make different choices as well so I thought that that was quite a good study for uh, games that offer a lot of choice for players to craft their own adventure Okay, I'm the type that like to shoot them down, you know. So <laughs> me, my first introduction to games was Space Invaders. So you know Ooh. how long ago that was, right? So now I'm into Sudoku, uh, which I play on the iPad before I sleep. Somehow other that uh, puts me to sleep. Um, but, <laughs> you know, um, but as we uh, go forward, how, how do you write games? for both men and women, or is there a difference, you know? I would say the thing is that um, for developers, we come from different background, past different past experience, and we have different kind of diversity of view as well. So, and 
some of these factors actually bring in like the fresh new perspective to games you are developing. And uh, the thing is that the experience with that, uh, that they have with games also help. And especially with many different genres of video games out there, mm-hmm. uh, which are usually play based on like our interests, uh, our own interests, like how you like Space Invader and I like uh, those narrative heavy stories. So like all those things we do have like uh, to kind of like put onto the table to you know craft the world that uh, we ambition will be the best for our players okay. and I think uh, nowadays uh, from the games that I've been playing and seeing I think uh, they are made to appeal to the general mix of audience uh, whether is it male or female as much as possible while some of them are still very tated their genre. One of the examples that I can think of is uh, I played this kind of game called the Otome Visual uh, Nova. So basically you are the female uh, protagonist in this game and you have a lot of uh, different male interests to choose from and then there's a story that you can go by. So I, I think that is very much related to like female uh, players in general. But I I did uh when I was um selling some of my games on Carousel, and I do have like some male customer coming to talk to me and asking me what this game is about. Like they are <laughs> generally interested, so I thought that that was quite funny. But I am glad that like you know they actually reached out to us about like they are curious about like this kind of game. I think overall. Uh, there's quite a good balance of video games out there that appeals to both men and women in many different ways because like, even for some of the female gamers, they tend to play like those very action-packed games like FPS mm. or even like uh, those mobile like League of Legends or Dota 2. So it's, it's really like um, up to the individual, I feel, personally. Okay. Lena, what game do you play? Oh, <laughs> you'll be very embarrassed by this, Grace. Um, it, <laughs> something to do with feeding pets. Very embarrassing. No, it's okay. That's fine. I, I mean, like, my, my mom is always, like, playing those Candy Crush or, like, even those Mahjong or, yeah. So, on her mobile, it's, it, the thing is that uh, games right now has become so accessible. Like, you just need to download from the mobile or, like, even for games on the PC, there are like uh, video games distribution platform like Steam, Ubisoft Connect, or Epic Games. And like for Epic Games, they also like give out uh, free games. And there's also the Xbox Game Pass, which you can access on PC as well to get, to get your games. So it's so easy to get games now. You don't really even need to go to the game store unless you are looking for those physical copies. But nowadays, it's... It's only for those collectors, I would say, that uh, would try to, yeah. you know, go down to buy uh, all those physical copies. But for me, I'm just too lazy. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us are too lazy. <laughs> so we just download, right? Yeah, um, yeah. We go to the app store and then we just download what we want. So for, the, for Sudoku, as I'm paying it, I'm also thinking about the future of mm-hmm. games, you know. So for me, Sudoku, will I be wearing those VR glasses and then imagine myself on a big, you know, dashboard with numbers and then I'm moving the numbers. Yeah, you know, with my fingers in the air and then people be thinking what I'm doing, but I'm actually playing a game. So what do you think is the future? What is the future technologies that you think you'll be using to create future games? Mm, I think uh, 
one of the great things that is coming out this day is, you know, some game engines have managed to like continue evolve uh, as the years go by and they come up with like new tech, new features that have allowed us to craft a better world and gameplay yeah. experience for our players. Mm-hmm. So, and the thing is that like for some of the developers who are using uh, those game engine like Unreal or Unity, they actually create tools and pipeline based on like what the new tech has to offer. And that sort of, you know, make their work process much efficient in a, in a sense. So, and that allows them to have the additional time to uh, provide them with the outlet of polishing their game more to a high quality shipping standard. And the thing is that uh, also, on the other hand, there are also, uh, much more powerful and upgraded devices for video games, like the new uh, PS5 or, you know, uh, the new version of Nintendo Switch. So, of the most powerful mobile phones as well. So, I, I think uh, all this are what uh, eventually uh, have to offer to the players as the advanced technology coming in and also uh, much more high-quality games. In terms of like um, the VR and AR, I think um, the, the market is starting to grow. Uh, there are a lot of uh, different kinds of games that are already available out there. And uh, I think just recently, uh, I have a team bonding session before this whole restriction thing hits. So uh, me and my team went for this uh, VR session to try out the Assassin's Creed game. And mm. it was pretty fun. <laughs> you were saying earlier, you know, in our earlier conversations about how you got into gaming. So you were playing games from a young age while you were in school? Mm, yeah. Uh, I think uh, my first game was actually an MMO. And um, I remember I have to play as a male character so that... Um, I don't get weird comments online to say that, oh, yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I, I think it's also like because I was very young and um, I don't really want to uh, let people know that, like, you know, uh, that you're female and you're getting like all sorts of unwanted attention. But since then, um, nowadays, I don't really care much. I mean, if you know that I have a female, I'm a female and I'm, I'm I'm just playing my game, enjoying the experience itself. So, and I I think that um, it is still until today that um, there are still some stigma around that that kind of concept that uh some of the uh females other uh that we are willing to show up in some scene uh as like female themselves because they scared that they will be judged, they will be uh being like uh put put out there okay. you know like everyone want a piece of you <laughs> Rika um, what unique qualities do you think women bring to this industry and is there an advice for those coming in I personally feel that having um, women in the industry itself already able to encourage others to follow suit as well and not to be afraid in picking up a role in an industry that is known to be very male dominated and I, I think like for us we are also trying to uh, bring aware raise awareness like individually to tell people that hey there's nothing to be afraid to you know jump into this industry yes it might seem a little bit uh, intimidating uh, at the very beginning but you know once you get into it you 
uh, get to work with many talented people uh, around like the different departments and there, are, there, there may be some departments that have more female, uh, there might be some that is lesser, but ultimately if you balance it off the, the chart, that there's still substantial amount of us, you know, like here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah. did you, um, when you joined Ubisoft, did you get a lot of mentoring? Mm, yeah, I, I was mentored by some of the most awesome and talented new developers uh, in the past few years while I being in the company. I, I remember my first like two weeks or something, uh, they were just like, you know, teaching me a lot of stuff um, and dragging me into the game right away to work on things. So uh. That to me was very amazing because uh, I hate just, uh, you know, sitting in front of my screen, reading all the documentation. I, I like to do something and uh, they, they feel that it's, they, they are confident enough to let me, you know, like go and play around, break some stuff, destroy some things. <laughs> and the thing is that I, like all this, at all these times, I don't feel like I really need to put myself out there uh, more than anyone else just because I'm a woman and I, I'm like everyone's equal basically and it's more of your skills and capability that people are looking for and it's not just about uh, whether you are male or female or not and I, I think this is something that I hold very dear to because um, like I, I push myself hard but not just because I'm a woman but I want to prove that I can achieve uh, what I set out to do and this is something that I will also continue to do so uh, as well for the next generation. And I've been mentoring and overseeing this mixed gender group of level designer over the past few years. And I, I can see that they are all individually talented and skilled in the specific topics uh, of what they do best. And I try to push them up uh, from there. And I think my goal is to really build a design team that is uh, self-sustaining and transversal to the different type of video games that they will be developing in the future and able to become a bridge to other departments such as the artist and programmer and especially uh, with our players as well because that's uh, at the end of the day, the players is going to be the one that's mostly uh, playing our games and, you know, uh, reacting to uh, what we have craft uh, for them. So uh, that alone is pretty important. Okay, so you are now a lead level designer. So can you give us an idea of the career progression? I, I started off as a person that, uh, do a lot of hands-on. Uh, I, I was the MIDI level designer and then eventually uh, go through the whole series. And during um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey time, I was given the opportunity to become a lead. So uh, at the time, I was very skeptical still because um, I, I'm not the type that, you know, can uh, go around like 24-7 talking to people or like managing people in a way because uh, managing people and, you know, developing them is another level of uh, work. And it's not something that I'm quite confident of uh, at that time. But I was thinking um, on the other side, I was also uh, telling myself, why not just, you know, give it a go and see like how, uh, how it works. And I, I came to like it a lot, actually, uh, just talking to people, providing insight and, you know, pushing and developing each individual. Because uh, I think one thing to note is that being a lead, you will have the, have the instances and moments whereby you will have 
uh, all the level designer that came after you become better than you, become like much more amazing than you. And you are really there to support them and to help them, to direct them to the right path. And I, I think that is more of the managerial role. But um, one thing that I would like to do in the future moving forward is the creativity side of things. You know, um, this is not really listed in our job scope, but I feel that it's something uh, as a lead we need to push for. Uh, basically is, you know, pushing ideas, uh, directing the team to work on uh, this vision together and all. And it's something that we do uh, at the very beginning of the production, but throughout the, throughout the production, it's not so much anymore. So having a strong vision helps and it, it's always important to, you know, uh, keep going back to it. Well, that's amazing, Rika. Well, thank you very much for spending time with us. That was Rika Lim, lead level designer at Ubisoft and one of the pioneers in women developing games, designing games in Singapore. So tell us, Rika, before we sign off, um, how would, if you want to follow you on Twitter, what should we be looking out for? Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at my uh, handle at uh, Jubilius, uh, J-U-B-B-I-L-E-U-S. Yes. Oh, fun fact. It's actually the final boss of Bayonetta. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I was going to ask you. That is the connection. Okay. And thank you for joining us today on the Curious Podcast featuring successful women in tech and science in Asia. Thank you, Rika, for all your time. Thanks. Thank you. Sure.